2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 160 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra is still missing. He hasn't been with us for three weeks on the trot now. It is getting worrying, but we're joined by another very good replacement, the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome back on the show, man. Thank you for filling in for Ayaz once again. I think it's the fourth or fifth time now, and it's always great having you on. How are you? I'm good, my man. How are you feeling? Very good, my friend. Very, very good. Um, like I say, I know that you know we don't have all the time in the world, so I'm going to get straight down to the review part of the show. I'm going to start last week at the Indigo at the O2 in Greenwich, London. Just a little card here that I should mention. They did like a uh, a little card here called the Ultimate Boxer, which is um, it's actually a tournament that that actually happens all on the day. And then yeah, they fight each other. Then you know the loser goes straight out the tournament, and then you know the semis. Each fights three rounds. It's quite a fun thing. I think James Tony did something similar when he came over here and fought in the prize fighter that Eddie Hearn used to run. But um, yeah, this little thing here—it's been—it's been kind of organised by uh, by Paulie Melanagi, Ricky Hatton, and one other guy who I've completely forgot about. So apologies for that. But the actual—you know—the actual fights themselves. Um, you know, there was a couple of guys that were in this tournament that were relatively well-known, a couple of guys weren't known, but the guy that managed to win the whole thing was relatively unknown, but he was actually undefeated. So, a big shout-out here to a guy called Shakan Pitters, who actually entered the tournament with a record of um, of 7-0. and Now, he took on Dex Spellman, um... In, in in the quarterfinals and Shakam Pitters actually had Spellman down in the first round but managed to win unanimously over three rounds. Shakam Pitters then went into the semifinals against Sam Smith, the uh the, you know the light heavyweight prospect from Swindon, and Shakam Pitters actually put Sam Smith down twice in the second round, but Sam Smith did get back up. Obviously, Sam Smith being trained by Paddy Fitzpatrick, and it ended up being a unanimous decision over three rounds for Pitters once again. And then in the final, Pitters really did top it off excellently here—a knockout in the second round, obviously of the of the scheduled free round contest—and Pitters moved to ten and zero there. So three. Fights, three wins for him on the night, a knockout in the second round against Georgie Bacon, who has a fantastic name, if I may say so. A guy that was actually two and one, and um, and those two wins that he found there, um, I believe happened on the night, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah, I think he, he he turned up at the venue with a record of one and one or zero and one, something like that. And, um, yeah, he found himself in the final, if I'm not mistaken, and then this guy, Shakan Pitters, moved to ten and oh, so excellent stuff for him. He won some kind of cash bonus there. It's a very fun tournament, and the great thing about this is, I think if you manage to get a knockout within the three rounds, you get a little bonus on top of your you know your prize money, and every single contest in this tournament, every quarter final fight semi final fight, and of course the final in every single contest there was at least one knockdown so that's very exciting stuff there but leaving that bill alone and moving over now to York Hall in Bethnal Green London one fight really to mention over here Jay Harris the undefeated Welsh um, Welsh flyweight he successfully defended his Commonwealth title um, a TKO in the third round against Ross Murray so Jay Harris now 14 and 0 he did actually get cut on his left eye but he had his man down in the second round from a body shot and then like I say in the third round, he was TKO'd. So a good win there for the uh, for the for the for the Welsh fighter. Like I say, Jay Harris still has that perfect record intact. Um, moving out now to the SSE Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom. This obviously was the World Boxing Super Series card. We had Victor Postel. He jumped in. He was a replacement just in case one of the main event fighters got injured at the very last stages. Um, yeah, Victor Postel took on a guy called C.R. Osgall, and I was very critical of this matchup last week. I said that C.R. Osgall just got knocked out in his last fight against a guy who was 5-2. and two. You know, he was winning every second of the fight, but he did get knocked out in the very last round against a guy who was 5-2, and two, who, you know, no one's really heard of, a guy called Mikey Saki, um, very, you know, not even English level, really. He's very much area kind of level. And, you know, he was getting in there against one of the best 140 fighters in the world in Victor Postal. And I expected Postel to knock him out within a couple of rounds. But unbelievably, Postel went the whole distance. Ten rounds with C.R. Osgall. So that's brilliant for him. I mean, it is losses back-to-back now. He was 14-0. And now he's been served up two losses in a row. But no shame whatsoever in going the distance with a man like Postal, who picks up win number 30 for him. He's got those two losses. One to Josh Taylor and one, of course, to Terence Crawford. Um... Also on this bill, we had Paul Butler move to 27 wins. He's got two losses, also a points win over 10 rounds against Yon Boyo, who had a beautiful-looking record, 41-5. and Similar kind of record, actually, to yourself, Eddie. But this guy, Yon Boyo hadn't really fought many guys. It was very much a padded record, and he got beaten by Paul Butler pretty easily. Um, also, we had Zach Parker sixteen and O taking on Daryl Williams seventeen and oh. This one was for the vacant British super middleweight title. Now, this fight here has managed to gather lots and lots and lots of criticism regarding the judges. Now, um, you know, I didn't really score the the fight kind of round by round. I didn't feel like I needed to. Um, you know, the styles. It was it was a pretty good matchup. I mean, in terms of styles, I think that Zach Parker. Um, or, I should say, Daryl Williams was all wrong for Zach Parker. I mean Williams is a complete dog fighter he 's very, very tough, as we knew going in um, you know Zach Parker was unable to keep the distance and keep it long, and not much really was coming from Zach Parker he wasn 't doing very well to keep Williams off of him, and for the early parts of the fight, probably the first three or four rounds, he was very much fighting williams 's fight, and then of course zach parker 's shoulder um, you know, his shoulder went and his shoulder was injured. I'm not quite sure what exactly has happened there with his shoulder, but I know he undergoes surgery. I think it I think it actually was a couple of days ago now. So, he only had his weak hand. Like I say, he was constantly on the back foot from that point on. And Williams was just completely piling on the pressure. It was a nightmare for Parker. I think that Williams' style, like I say, was all wrong for Parker, to be honest. But that paired with Parker's power punch being taken away from him, just simply spelt bad news, because Parker's a very big puncher, and a lot of people expected him to win by knockout, but it wasn't to be. Um, But yeah, very. I actually thought it was going to be a very sad way for him to lose his O, that's what I've written here, and I'd like to see the rematch, because I think now after all the controversy, we need to see the rematch, because unbelievably, Zach Parker managed to get the win. It was a split decision over 12 rounds. You know, obviously two judges favoring Um, Zach Parker. One of them, I think, had Zach Parker by like five rounds, which I think was just unbelievable. Now that referee, uh, or you know, he's also a referee, but the judge in this particular event, Victor Lachlan, had a real bad night because, of course, he did manage um, or or manage to be referee in the main event, which we'll get onto in just a moment. But I feel like Victor Lachlan had a shocking night there. But um, yeah, credit to to Williams um, last week I spoke about how tough Darryl Williams is and also we've got to give Parker credit because even though he got the win literally everyone's going crazy about this and I think that Williams' team probably need to get an appeal going to the British Boxing Border Control but um yeah, very tough for Parker to even stay in there with a man like Daryl Williams unloading on you and putting that pressure on you, and you've only got one arm to defend yourself. It's a very, very hard thing to do. And, um, you know, credit to him, he showed some serious toughness. He's never been in a dogfight and he really had to tough it out there to last the distance. But he did, and unbelievably, like I say, he's won the title. And I must reiterate, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve it or he did deserve it. I wasn't scoring it, but I just felt that over the general consensus and what I'd seen throughout the fight I felt that Williams had done enough but he was the man certainly pressing the fight coming forward and Parker was just with one arm um, you know, trying to jab and to be honest, he he did have some great rounds he did have some great rounds just boxing and moving um, you know, just jabbing and moving really so credit to Parker, like I say credit to both men but the rematch must happen in my honest opinion Um, moving up the bill once again we had Josh Taylor-Furter and 0 take on Ryan Martin, 22-0. Obviously, Ryan Martin, a man being trained by Abel Sanchez up in Big Bear. And an undefeated professional, like I say, I think Martin was a pretty good amateur as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this one was for the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title, and the winner, of course, would proceed to the next round and take on Ivan Baranchik in the semifinals of the World Boxing Super Series. Um, I felt that the first three rounds in this fight were all for Josh Taylor. I felt that Josh Taylor, at that point, was going through the gears nicely. Um, Ryan Martin didn't really seem to be at the races. He seemed to, you know, he seemed to be a level or at least a couple of levels below Taylor. Um, in the fourth and fifth round, it was more of the same, really, from Taylor. He just looked fantastic in there. He goes from head to body so smoothly. He's very accurate with his punches. He's very spiteful with his punches. And he throws combinations and very eye catching ones at that. It was an amazing performance by Taylor at that point. Going into the sixth round, once again, Taylor was boxing pretty much. A perfect fight really. The body shots were starting to get very sickening every time that he'd throw those to the body of Martin. He really does rip to the body. Um, you know, when he goes with his single shots, he really loads up to the body, and he did cut Ryan Martin also in that sixth round. You could see that every punch that Taylor was landing on Martin was a real meaningful punch. Not necessarily a potential knockout punch, but they all took their toe and looked powerful, and they each put a dent in Martin's game bit by bit, I felt. Um, in the seventh round, and this was the final round, in my eyes it was fairly competitive, um, that actual round, and then Taylor hit Martin in the back of the head after a little combination, and Martin actually took a knee, and then Taylor landed one or two more, I think it was body shots, which, or, or I think they were head shots now, because, you know, he took a knee, I can't, I can't see him... Ducking so low that he was able to still give him body shots. But I know he hit him with another two shots while Martin took a knee, which I felt was a little bit naughty, actually. And then Victor Lachlan, like I say, the guy that gave the very questionable scorecard in the Parker Williams fight... Um, he was the referee here and he jumped in and waved it off immediately. A lot of people arguing, saying that the stoppage was very premature, especially as Martin was only on the floor because he took a knee after being hit in the head. Um, You know, the back of the head, I should say. So I'm not quite sure what Victor Lachlan was doing there. I also think it was a little bit suspect that the... You know the fighter here, Josh Taylor, is a Scottish fighter, and the referee Victor Lachlan is a Scottish referee. Um, I think he's refereed about five of of um, Josh Taylor's last seven or eight fights, which again is something that I feel needs to be looked at. But um, yeah, it seemed very very premature. I don't think it mattered too much to be honest, because the fight was very one sided. But the you know the stoppage was very awful. Um, it wasn't too competitive when you think about it. I think Taylor won probably every single round, but still. You know, you can't take nothing away from Taylor. Um, it was a good win for him. And, yeah, from the first bell, you could see that he was always going to win the fight. He was very much in control every second of the fight. And he really showed levels to his game. And um, a lot of people kind of getting on Ryan Martin's back saying he's not as good as we perhaps thought he would. Or thought he was. But, um, you know, he just simply couldn't get going at any point. And that's, I believe, because Taylor didn't allow him to. Um, did you happen at all to see any of this? I'm guessing you probably didn't, Eddie. But did you manage to see any of this world boxing super series card at all? No, I didn't get to,
1: to really see it at all. Okay, it would have been nice now hearing all of the you know the exciting things that went down, especially the referee situation. I
2: would yeah. have loved to,
1: had to kind of go over what is what is all about there, but you know,
2: happens. No problem, no problem. But, yeah, uh, moving on to the last fight on this bill, we saw Nonito Donaire step in against Ryan Burnett. Now, Ryan Burnett was 19-0. and Obviously, um, you know, this fight, like I say, took place in Scotland, but Ryan Burnett was very much, you know, in inverted commas, the home fighter. Like I say, 19-0. and um, He put his WBA Super World Bantamweight title on the line. Also, the vacant WBC Um, Diamond Bantamweight title was on the line here. Nonito Donaire had not made this weight in seven years, but he returned here at Bantamweight, you know, a weight class which he won a world title at previously, I think maybe even two world titles at previously, and he never lost a round at his time um, at Bantamweight. So he jumped in here against Ryan Burnett, the young guy on the up, and It was a very interesting fight, actually. I think the first round was a very good round, very interesting round. Both men were getting through with big shots. It was probably a Burnett round, but really nothing much in that at all. In the second round, it was another excellent round. I felt that Burnett started very well. Um, Donaire seemed to then kind of come at Burnett, and he got off with a lot of his his own shots, which looked pretty good. And at one point, Donaire actually pinned Burnett on the ropes, but You know, Burnett, to his credit, then pushed Donair back and the pair met in the middle of the ring. Both men were fighting in the pocket. The action was fantastic. It was a close round, but again, probably a Burnett round just by a thread. Then in the third round... You know, probably a a better performance, really, from Burnett in that third round. I felt that he was more dominant. Um, A good start to the round from Nonito, I should mention. At times, Nonito actually couldn't miss Burnett. But, um, yeah, Burnett, I felt, did a lot better there. Nonito landed some hurtful-looking shots. But, yeah, you know, Burnett, when he was pinned on the ropes or in the corner... He, yeah, he had a few moments where he didn't look like he was doing so well. But again, I still felt that Burnett won the round. Strangely, now in the fourth round, um, this was a very good round. I fought for Donner. Um I actually had him winning the round. And then out of nowhere, Ryan Burnett threw an overhand right, and as he threw it, something in his back just went, and it was unclear as to what had actually happened. But he took a knee. Literally, he missed. You know, he tried to throw this overhand right, and something. You know, something happened in his back and he took a knee. And, you know, the referee gave him a count. So it ended up being a 10-8 round to Donaire. And while he was down on his knees, Ryan Burnett, he looked back at his corner with panic on his face. And it was a very worrying and concerning look. And he got back up to his feet. Um, you know, there was probably about 10 or so seconds left in the round, something like that. And Donaire absolutely piled the pressure on Ryan Burnett. And um, Ryan Burnett seemed to kind of not really be able to defend himself. You know, Burnett did go back to his corner, but he kind of limped back to his corner at the end of the round. And honestly, straight away, it looked like he wanted to quit. Um, he actually didn't even go directly back to his corner. He actually tried to go for a bit of a walk, but his you know, his trainer, Adam Booth, made him sit down on the stool, and he whispered in his ear. And then Adam Booth pulled Burnett out of the fight. So it was quite shocking. Um, you know, it was a very interesting fight while it lasted. We now won't see... Um, zolani Tete take on Ryan Burnett, which is a fight that we were all hoping would happen. We obviously didn't get to see Billy Joe Saunders take on Demetrius Andrade two times there where we expected to finally see Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren on the top table at a press conference together, but due to unexpected and very bizarre circumstances both opportunities have somehow dissolved into thin air. So I'm gutted um, about that, but yeah I'm very gutted for Burnett. You know a very sad way to lose your world title in that fashion. I really hope he recovers you know as soon as possible i hope that he can make a full recovery and you know he gets back on his game but a very a very harsh way eddie to lose a fight i mean you know being undefeated being on this fantastic stage the world boxing super series what every fighter wants to be involved in and you know he's lost his world title he's lost his oh he's lost his position in this tournament simply because he he became injured in a fight that he was winning yes
1: yeah, it's, it's one of those things man it's hard to hard to imagine the feeling of that. It's like when I, when I fought on Tomas, uh Dama, a few years back. You know, tearing the bicep in the first round and contemplating, like trying to figure out what you're gonna do about the fight. If there's a way to do anything, you know what I mean, to figure out how to deal with through the course of the fight. So it's just like disheartening, man. It just really it hurts you in so many ways. You know, so many plans you have, so many things you wanted um, with your career and things like that, and then. You have your title, and the next moment he you goes, know, It's based on something that's almost completely out of your control, and it's just frustrating. And I really,
3: really feel for him.
1: You know, it's funny. I I, I met Donny Ochoa. I've seen him. up am a fan of his style and the way he boxes. But to see a guy, no matter whether he's losing, losing, losing to a guy that you're rooting for, it just hurts you to see it. Because for me, it just brings me back to, the, to that time with and just having to figure out a way to deal with it. But what if I could, what If it was an injury that I could fit, you know what I mean, throughout the fight. So it sucks, man. This is, you know, I feel fear, fear for him. Hope he's, I hope he lands on this week
2: soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Very, very uh, hard times there for Ryan Burnett. But Nonito Donaire somehow picks up another world title. So all the very best to him. He's now thirty nine and five and Ryan Burnett now nineteen and one. Um Donair didn't really go crazy with his celebrations. Um he totally understood. Um, you know, he was very, very, uh, you know, very professional, which we know that you know, we know that he's a real class actor, Don Air. He's one of the coolest guys in the sport. Everyone loves him over here in the UK. And, um, you know, he demonstrated what he's about when he went on social media afterwards. And he's posted lots and lots of long messages. And he truly does hope that um, that Ryan Burnett can recover. But, you know, he's got to kind of focus now on what's next for him. He did win the fight. He's a new champion of the world for, I think, like the eighth time or ninth time or even tenth time. Something like that. It's really crazy. But um, all the very best to him. A good friend of the show, Monito, And I'm absolutely over the moon for him. But like I say, very gutted for Bennett to see him actually get stretched out of the ring. I'm hoping it's not as serious as it looked. Um, moving out now to the Aviator Sports Complex in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Let's talk here about... Um, well, heavyweight prospect Cassius Cheney, 13-0. He moved to 14-0, a knockout in the fourth round against Santino Tombo, who is now 4-3. and three. Also, we had Dennis Duglin, 21-6, a friend of the show, Dennis Duglin, a fighter that's much better than his record would suggest. He took on a man called Saul Roman, who's got a beautiful-looking record, 43-12, but unfortunately, that record looks a little bit better than what it is. I don't think he's as good as what it would look. I think he's quite padded in terms of his record there, and Dennis Duglin was able to knock his man out in the sixth round, so Duglin's got a little bit of momentum going now. I'm very pleased for him. Top of the bill here, another friend. End of the show, Sullivan Barrera, um, his record twenty-two and two. Now a unanimous decision over ten rounds against Sean Monahan. Um, his record now, 29-2, and two, still in search for win, number 30 for him. Um, I think Manahan's a pretty decent fighter. I mean, his two losses came to two fringe world-level guys, so um, I think Manahan's right up there. This fight, like I say, I think was quite wide on the cards, but from what I'm told, because I haven't actually seen the fight, but from what I'm told, um, a lot of the rounds were really close, and Barrera seemed to just nick quite a few of the rounds, so the scorecards look a little bit wider than the fight actually was. Um, moving out now to the final bill to mention, this one happened at the Don Haskins Convention Center in El Paso, Texas, USA. Um, this bill, in my opinion, was the bill of the Miguel's, I call it. Miguel Burchell 34-1. and 1. He put his WBC World Super Featherweight title on the line against Miguel Román, and 60-12. Um, Bashel actually managed to knock Roman out in the ninth round. A TKO there for Bashel, obviously a big puncher him. So a good fight this one for the Mexican fans. And on the undercard, we had Miguel Mariaga. That's what I'm saying. There's three Miguel's out of three so far. That's why it's the bill of the Miguel's or the Miguel bill for me. Um, Mariaga picked up win number 27 inside 30 fights. He took on Jose Estrella, and Estrella was down in round three but knocked out in round four. Jose Estrella now 20 and 15 with one draw. Also on the undercard, we saw Saul Neno Rodriguez 21 and 0 with one draw. He got win number 22 here, a knockout in the second round against Claudio Tapia who's now 28-19 and 19 with four draws. Sal Rodriguez, a man that was obviously under the Mayweather Promotions banner, and he was extremely unhappy being there, and he's tried to get out of that contract for a long, long time. He was a very good prospect, very highly touted and talked about for a while, and his career just kind of seemed to lose its spark because of his inactivity. I think he was out the ring for over a year and a half. Um... But, yeah, he was back here and back with a bang. So, excellent stuff for him. Um, that's really it for the review, and I've tried to go through that as quick as possible. Is there anything that you want to add on that at all, Eddie, before we bring in guest number one, which will be Regis Progray?
1: No, man, just going back to the kid who, uh, who um, ended up getting uh, injured, man. It just got me thinking. It's just, it just, Out of nowhere, the title's gone. It just really got me thinking. Man. Uh, I really hate to see it. That is a horrible thing to have to do. But uh, sorry for
2: that, man. We can move on. Okay, we shall move on. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, let's now bring in guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning WBC Diamond and also WBC Interim Champion, I believe, of the world, of course, it's Mr. Regis Progre. Regis, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's been not too long, just a couple months, but but welcome back on, like I say. Hey, it's always my pleasure. So, like I say, Regis, last time we spoke was in the build-up to the Terry Flanagan fight. You did tell us that you were expecting Terry to be your toughest opponent. You admitted that the the experience was with him. Um, You fought him. You beat him. So, tell us, was he as tough as you expected or perhaps tougher?
3: No, I I mean, he was something I expected. You know, I I really didn't go out there and try to knock him out. You know, I felt like he was going to be just a real tough opponent. Um, you know, he was a former former world champion. He, I think, he defended his belt five times or something like that at lightweight. Um, he had way more experience than I had. That was the big factor in the fight. All the experience he had. So, I mean, I knew I knew he was gonna come. I knew he was gonna come to fight. He was gonna come to win. And I knew he was gonna be experienced. And you know, I yeah, I think he was. You know, as far as like a tough opponent. Um, you know, I know I had to come out and, and and I changed my game plan up. I didn't go I didn't go out there to try and knock him. Out. I went out there and I tried to box him. And, you know, that's what I did. I just went out there and I boxed 12 rounds. I, I, I felt like I boxed beautiful 12 rounds, and I had a whole lot of fun doing it, you know. So, um, you know, yeah, he was, but he was definitely a, a, a real tough opponent.
2: Now, on fight week, I know that something happened that was quite horrible, actually. Someone broke into your hotel room. They stole your belongings. Has that situation been fixed? It was very hard to hear about that.
3: Well, well you know what? That, that actually was a joke. That was a prank basically. You know, oh, I don't know man. if y'all got the prank, but it was a joke, so <laughs> tell everybody don't be worried. It was just a little joke. It was a prank. We got, you know, we got like a, a famous comedian in New Orleans, and we decided to do like a little, a little, uh, I mean, got got people worried and stuff like that, but I felt like it pushed the fight just a little more, so yeah, it was, don't don't worry. It was definitely a joke. It wasn't nothing that was, you know, nothing was stolen from me. Believe me, if, if nobody in New Orleans would want to steal nothing from me, but um, they they definitely won't be able to get away with it and I definitely won't be posting none of that stuff, so it was it was just a little prank, that's all.
2: Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Now, um, Terry, in the fight, did he surprise you in any way at all?
3: You know what, It, it was, he didn't really surprise me, um, he didn't surprise me how tough he was, you know, I, especially like when I dropped him in the eight round, he got back up and he kept fighting, and that's, I think that's what, you know, surprised me more than anything that, you know, he got back up, and I, I hurt him, I was hurting him, and you know it, it just takes experience you know the experience he had i guess it took him you know it, it got him through the fight basically you know um but you know i know he was going to come to fight i know it's going to be tough um his experience definitely carried the way for him you know so i knew that was i know that was going to be a big factor in the fight you know i have i think you know if you look at his rounds and look at my rounds it's just like he had like probably triple or, or at least double the rounds that i professional rounds i have under my belt you know I knew that he was gonna come in. He was gonna come in, you know, and just be real tough. And you know, he was come in and, and, and fight his ass off. And that's
2: what he did. Now you dropped him with a beautiful left hook counter. Um, you also showed some very very good defensive skills, Regis. Um, you know, you talk about a twelve round um, boxing match, which is what we saw. You're not really. Well, I don't want to say you're not known for it, but you're not really given the credit for how much of a brilliant defensive fighter you are because people just think you're this come-forward knockout artist, but you showed so much to your game. You proved to be extremely hard to hit, even with a man in front of you as accurate of a puncher as Terry Flanagan. That that
3: was my plan, basically. I wanted to show people that I can box. I can really box. Um, I wanted to show, you know, because in my fight against Juan Jose Velasco, you know, he hit me a lot. And it was basically because I let him. You know, I went out there and I didn't fight like I was supposed to. And I let him, you know, just hit me more than he should have. So, this, this camp, you know, I went out and I, I I worked on a lot of defensive stuff. And I just wanted to show people that I'm more than just a power puncher. You know, everybody think oh, I'm just a come forward, power puncher. And, no, you. I just want to show people, you know, I, I definitely can do way more. I can fight. And, and then, against Terry Flanagan, I bought 12 rounds. And I could have won another 12, to be honest. I, did, I definitely could have did 15. I, I really felt like I could have did another 12 because I wasn't winning at all, and I had fun in that fight. I had a whole lot of fun in that fight. So, um, you know, I just want to show people, you know, I'm not just a come-ball fighter. I can, do, I can do many things. I can do so many different things, you know. So to get prepared for me, you got to really be on your A game because I, I can switch stuff anytime I feel like. I can come-ball it, and I can slug it out with you if I want to, or, I can still the outside the box, you know, and most people can't do that. They can't do both, and I can definitely do both. And I can, and guess what? If that, if that um don't work, I can do something else too, you know. So I'm just showing people that I'm, I can be versatile. I can box. I can bang. I can do whatever it takes, and 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 more, more than way, way more than what people think I can do. I can do more, way more.
2: Yeah, and you showed that against a world-class fighter in Terry Flanagan. Now, the good thing about this World Boxing Super Series tournament is that everyone knows exactly who's fighting who the moment the fighters know. Now, it's it's quite clear that you're going to be taking on Kirill Relic. He just recently beat Edward Trojanovsky three weeks before before the Flanagan fight, if I'm not mistaken. Did you happen to watch that fight at all? Have you had a chance to sit down and watch it?
3: Uh, I didn't to be honest, no, I didn't watch it yet, um, I'm going to go back and watch it, but um, I haven't watched it yet, no, um, I know he won, he won by two points, something like that, but as far as me watching, no, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, no. Okay,
2: um, is there any indication as to when that Relic fight may take place, I'm guessing it's going to be sometime um, in 2019, I know that Relic also is a guy that, you know, he often goes on the road for fights, so I'm guessing the fight, I know it's obviously very early stages at the moment in terms of talks and stuff like that, but I'm guessing it's probably going to happen in the USA.
3: Um, yeah, most likely it probably happened back in the USA. Most likely it happened back in New Orleans. Um, that's what they say. They said it probably will happen in New Orleans again. We had a good crowd. We had a lot of people there. We did good, you know. Um, so most likely, yeah, it'll come back to New Orleans.
2: And have you had a chance to sit down and watch Josh Taylor's fight on the weekend against Ryan Martin? If so, what did you make of it, Regis?
3: I I did. I watched this fight. I definitely watched this fight. Um, I I really thought the ref stopped it prematurely. Very prematurely. It was no doubt that he was winning. You know, he he got hit in the back of his head. And I think the ref should have let it go on a little longer. But, I mean, it was no doubt that, you know, um, he was winning. He would have won the fight anyway. But I still think it was, you know, I think the it
2: would definitely start pre Yeah, I have to agree. And a lot of people were a little bit... Well, a lot of people were very critical of Martin's performance. He just didn't seem to get going. Um, Did you expect Taylor to beat him with with the ease that he seemed to beat him with? Um, Could Martin have performed better? Were you impressed with Taylor? What was your whole kind of take on it? I
3: mean, maybe with ease, I don't know about that. You know, I'm, I'm not... I didn't really know too much about Ryan Martin even going into the tournament. Um, but I, I I definitely expected Taylor to beat him. Um, I expected Taylor to win that. I called it a long time ago that Taylor was going to beat Ryan Martin. So you know, and then he had home court advantage and all types of stuff. And then he, I think he was just a better fighter overall. Um, but with the ease like that, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, I mean, like I I didn't know that, I didn't, I didn't really know too much about Ryan Martin even going into the fight. So. Um, it was hard for me to call it, but at the same time, I still thought that you know he was going to beat him anyway. I really thought that Josh Taylor would have beat Ryan Moore
2: anyway. Now, at the start of this tournament, there were eight men. There's now half of that amount. There's four left. Obviously, Josh Taylor being a big name, yourself being a big name. um Kirill Relic, the guy that you're going to be taking on, he's kind of got a little bit of a name over here for taking on Ricky Burns. The one guy that you know, the UK fans are not so familiar with is the other guy, Ivan Baranchik. Um, he's set to take on Josh Taylor. Have you seen any of him to give a fair assessment on how you think their fight's going to go down in the other bracket of the semi-finals?
3: Well, you know what? I know a lot about Ivan Baranchik because we, under, we actually under the same banner. We both signed with Luka Bella. Um, he fought on about five of my undercards, including this last fight. You know, he fought on my undercard this last fight. That was in New Orleans also. So, um, I saw a lot of him. You know, Ivan is tough. He's gonna, he's real tough, tough as hell, strong, rushing, and he's gonna come forward. And he's gonna fight. Um, and I think, you know, Josh Taylor is definitely in for a fight with him. Is he gonna win? I'm not sure who's gonna win that fight. Um, but I actually, I really, I think Voronechek can pull it off. I think he can pull it off against Josh Taylor just because of, you know, how, how durable he is. He's a, he's a strong fighter, and he's gonna swing for the fences. So he's gonna fight every round, he's gonna he's gonna come out and try to blast him away. So, um, I think that'll be a good fight. That'll be a real good and interesting fight. Who's gonna win? I don't know. Um, it's like I said, it's gonna be a good fight. Josh, I think Josh Taylor could potentially he can box him, but um a red check can just outfight him. I know he can definitely outfight him, you know, so and he hits hard and he's durable, you know, so That'll be, I mean, that'll be a, you know, that'll be a real good and interesting fight, you know. So I can't wait to see it. Cause like I said, I, i me and me and Marantzik, we actually, you know, we cool and stuff like that, and we we signed under the same band, under Luca Bella. And like I said, on top of that, um, I saw him fight. He fought on about five, or, yeah, I think five of my undercards, you know. Um, so I seen him fight live a bunch of times, and you know, I know what he can do, and
2: you know, I I think it's a, it's gonna be a real good and interesting fight. Certainly not a man to be overlooked. Um, now I wouldn't imagine that the American boxing fans are too bothered by what's happening this weekend, but over here, everyone in the UK, in terms of boxing fans, are all going crazy about um, Alexander Usyk versus Tony Bellew. If you've got any interest in this big fight here, um, tell us your opinion on it, Regis. Can Tony Bellew do this? Oh,
3: uh, it's always possible somebody can do it. Now Usyk is a beast. You know he's a real good fighter. I saw him win the whole world boxing super series, so that's gonna be really a real interesting fight. Can he do it? Of course, anybody can do it. You know, all it takes is one punch. But I mean, Usyk boxed beautifully, you know, in a, in a world boxing super series firing. So it's gonna be real hard to beat somebody like him, you know, because he's a he's a real good boxer. Um, you know, that'll be a good fight. But I still I think I I, I go Usyk way.
2: You got Usick winning, yeah. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I
3: think you Yeah. I think
2: a lot of people share that opinion. To be completely honest, now Regis, just before we let you go, is there anything at all that you want to say? Perhaps that I haven't asked you. If you've got anything that you want to get off your chest, the floor is yours. Say whatever you like before we let you go.
3: Um, just make sure everybody knows I'm gonna win the World Boxing Super Series and keep watching. And um, I'm gonna keep doing my thing. But right now, I'm actually I'm on the way to New Orleans to you know go back. I gotta do some media stuff out there. And, um, I'm, but I'll be right back training. I already, I actually already started training not even a week from the fight. I started training already. I think I started running and stuff like that Friday. So, um, you know, I just can't, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get back in the ring. Can't wait to start training camp again. And definitely can't wait to get there with Relic and, um, you know, and then just, just go out there and do what I've been doing. But like I said, I'll, I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm more than just a big power puncher. I show people that I can box. And you know, I can do so many different things. So just you know, if you thought this was a good performance, I guarantee you can't wait to the next the uh, you know, the next um the next show when I fight Relic. It's gonna be another big performance for me and I'm gonna keep doing my thing, and that's it.
2: And lastly, Regis, um, I just want you to confirm for everyone that's listening your social media handles because you've got a real interesting life outside of boxing. I've seen you do many interesting things on uh, on Instagram Live and stuff like that. Where can people follow you? And also, please clear up the Twitter situation because a lot of people still tag your old Twitter account, which you don't use anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah, all right. So my Twitter is at rprograis. And then my yeah, that I, my old one was um yeah, that's not working no more basically. I don't have that one more so it's at R Progray. And you know my Instagram is at Regis program. And um I have Facebook and Regis Progray Boxing, Reach Boxing. And that's all my, my social media has. So you can follow me on there, hit me up, DM me, um, whatever, and you know, you can see I do have a very, very interesting life. I do all kinds of stuff outside of boxing. Um, the gym is fun, but I do all kinds of stuff outside of boxing. So go ahead and follow
2: me on there. Yeah, everyone, please head over and follow Regis. Now, Regis, like I say, from me now, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that. Congrats once again on this epic win, and we shall catch up again very soon, my friend. All
3: right, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me again.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Now I usually start with the news, but I will get onto that at the very last part of the show. Um, I just want to now talk about the preview part of the show. But in fact, just before we get onto that, let me read out the predictions from last week. Remember, the scores were completely, completely um, tied. It was sixty-seven points to myself, to Ayaz, and also to the listeners. It's unbelievable. We've been picking fights for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and all of us at the same time have managed to accumulate 67 points. Well, that was the old scores. I'm very happy to to update everyone that there's been a movement here. Um, well, let's talk about the fights. Obviously, there was Zach Parker against Daryl Williams. We all predicted on that. The listeners went with Zach Parker to win by knockout. I, as went with Zach Parker to win on points, and so did I. So we both gained a point there. Also, Josh Taylor. Um, I went with Taylor to win by knockout. I went with Taylor to win on points that didn't happen, and of course the listeners went with Taylor to win by knockout, so myself and the listeners gain a point there and then all three of us all went with Burnett to win on points, which obviously didn't happen because he injured his back and then nonito Donaire won the fight so all I can say is I've gained two points there Ias has gained one and you the listeners have gained one so that means that I'm on sixty nine points um, a very popular a very popular number there already of course sixty nine and um, you know the listeners and I as both on 68, so I'm 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 very happy to finally confirm that I'm winning the prediction league for the first time since starting it. So uh, very, very pleased and happy man I am this week. But moving on to the preview part of the show, let's start at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, Lancashire United Kingdom. A couple of fights to mention on this bill actually. Um, we have Jimmy Kelly, 23-2, and two, former world title challenger. He takes on Christian Gomez, a journeyman, really. I'm not quite sure why this fight's happening. His record, 7-37 and 37 with four draws. Savannah Marshall, the lady training under um, Eddie Chambers, former trainer, Peter Fury. Her record, 4-0. and 0. She's in a six two-minute round contest. Her opponent yet to be announced, but a very good prospect is Savannah Marshall. Obviously, um, she holds that amateur win. Over Clarissa Shields, the only uh, the only fight amateur or pro that Clarissa Shields has lost was to Savannah Marshall. Also on this bill, Brian the Lion Rose returns to the ring after having a little bit of time out. His record twenty nine and five with one draw. He's in search of win number thirty. It's a six rounder against Alistair Warren, who's eleven and twenty with four draws. Moving out now to Poland, um, Eddie, and I'm going to come to you about this fight here. Um, well, one fight to mention just before we get onto the main event, but a guy called Macio Selecki, former opponent of Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs actually took his O earlier this year. His record, 26-1. He's in a 10-rounder against John Hamilcaro, who's a former opponent of Josh Kelly. Um, Hamilcaro's record, 26-9 and nine with three draws. That's a 10-round contest there. That just goes to show how advanced Josh Kelly is. He's taking on... Um, Or he's already took on this guy and beat Hamilcaro. And Selecki's just coming off a fight against Daniel Jacobs. And now he's fighting Hamilcaro. So that says a lot about Josh Kelly. Um, But the main event here. This is the fight I want to come to you about, Eddie. A very, very good fight, this. Initially when I saw it, I thought, do you know what? That's a good fight. But the more I think about it, the more I think it's an even better fight than I initially thought. Arta Spilker. Twenty-one and three takes on fellow Polish countryman Marius Wack thirty-three and three. Fantastic fight for the Polish fans.
1: No, it's a great fight for the Polish fans. It's the kind of fight that you know we Americans would like to have, or like to have uh, over here. You know, with our countrymen. And these guys are heavyweights, so it would be uh, it would be an awesome thing to see us awesome thing a witness, even me. You know, as a, uh, as a heavyweight, a fan of the heavyweight fan in general of boxing, I would love to watch. So it, it, an exciting fight. Something that, uh, <laughs> a fight that I would like to get either way. At this point these days, I would like to get any fight. So um, it's, uh, it, it, like, like I said, an all-around interesting, interesting contest.
2: Yeah, very, very good um, contest, that one. I'm really liking the look of that, if I'm honest. Um I, I, I'd like to send my best wishes to Arta Spilka, a man who we've had on this show once or twice before. A very, a very nice guy. And um, Marius Wacker, tough, tough, tough guy. So very interesting yeah. fight, that one. That really is. Um, yeah. Moving out now to Puerto Rico at the Coliseo Mario Morales. We have Felix Vadejo, 23-1. and He returns to the ring against Yardley Cruz, who's 24-11. and Um, That's really it for that one. Moving out now to the big card this weekend, Eddie, in Manchester, in Lancashire, United Kingdom. Um, I'm going to start with the undercard here firstly um we have Josh Kelly a man that we mentioned a few moments ago his record 7 and 0 he takes on Walter Castillo who's 13 and 2 Castillo has three knockouts from his 13 wins but he's never been stopped in his two losses um you know it's a tick over fight i think for Josh Kelly i think Josh Kelly's levels above this guy Josh Kelly i think only last week has just become a father so um we actually had a a little mini chat The other day, and um, you know, it was great speaking to him. He's in very, very good spirits, and I'm pleased for him obviously becoming a father. So, all the very best to Josh Kelly. Um, Also, on this bill, we have Dave Allen, a friend of yours, Eddie. Um, His record now 15 and 4 with two draws. He takes on Ariel Bracamonte, a heavyweight who has a record of 8 and 1, five of his. Of his eight wins coming by knockout. This guy's a 25 year old Argentinian fighter. Um, his one loss was by knockout. He got knocked out in the first round against a guy who was free and free in December of 2017. Um, yeah, aside from that, there's not too much else to read into. He's coming off of a win against the prospect who was 6-0 where he actually knocked the guy out in the first round. But aside from that, he hasn't really mixed it at the level against you know any names that we've heard of. But I'm sure we, we both um, you know both wish Dave Allen all the very best here. I think he was fighting about two weeks ago also, or three weeks ago and he's jumped in here because one fight fell through on the bill. So uh, he'll be happy to be on this huge undercard.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Honestly, the one thing about Dave is, is that he don't like to turn down fights, even though he, at times it's probably the best bet. But his recent history has looked pretty good, so if he's trained it properly, and like I always said, he has he has more talent than a lot of people realize. He just really needs to keep working, stick with it, and I'm guaranteeing he'll do really good things in the future. He just got to put his he just got to put the right kind of
2: effort into it. That's all. Yeah, very well said. I echo those sentiments. Now, moving up the bill once again, we have Ricky Burns, 42-7 and 7 with one draw. Um, this is going to be his 51st fight. He takes on Scott Cardle, 23-2 and 2 with one draw. Now, this is a 10-round contest. It's a very interesting fight, this one, because we were supposed to see um, Joe Caldina, the, the 2016 Olympian, take on Scott Cardle but Cordina had to pull out with an injury now Scott Cardle's obviously not a big puncher and Ricky Burns is as tough as now so there's no way on earth Cardle's going to win this fight by knockout i think Ricky Burns has certainly had better days i think he's what's he a free weight world champion he's he's really achieved some great things and you know it's kind of sad to really see him take on someone like Scott Cardle for no belt on the line whatsoever so yeah, I think he's had better days, and I've been very, very critical of Ricky Burns in the past, and sadly, at this point of his career, I think this is a lot of a closer fight than people um, think it is. You know, a lot of people think that Burns is going to go in there and stop Cardo. I'm not quite sure of that. I think Burns has probably got enough experience to out-hustle him on points, but I would not be surprised if... Cardle pulled off the win on points, and I say that because Cardo I know would have been bang up for that Cordina fight. There's no way Cardo wants to lose to a guy who is about six and zero or seven and zero, whatever Cordina is. Um, he would he would have been taking that extremely seriously, and I think to a certain extent his career was on the line for that. So I think he'd been you know really really training hard for that, and. Um, Ricky Burns hasn't really had too much time to prepare for this, so I think that um, is 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 a thing which probably. Goes in Cardle's favour with the long term he's had to prepare. Um, You know, Ricky Burns hasn't. Ricky Burns, like I say, at the the very tail end of his career now, I've been very critical for him um, or on him in the past, and um, I think this fight's a pretty close fight. Um, As sad as it is, you know, Ricky Burns, this is his fifty first fight, and he's taken on Scott Cardle for no title, but. Cardle's in a real tough place. He hasn't had a meaningful win for about two years now, and Ricky Burns, obviously coming off that loss last time out, oh well, he's had a he's had a fight against a journeyman in the meantime. But you know, the loss to Anthony Carolla, he hasn't had a meaningful win since back in 2016, two years ago as well, um, against Kirill Relic, a very um, well a close fight that I think the scorecards were a bit wide on so yeah both men kind of at a little bit of a crossroads here but an interesting fight that one should be um, I'm going to go with Ricky Burns on points so have the listeners and I has informed me that he's going with Burns on points also so we're all in agreement there um, moving up the 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 card once again. Let's now talk about the Anthony Crawler fight. Um, Anthony Crawler thirty three and six with three draws. We mentioned there the win against Ricky Burns. He takes on a guy called Dowd Jordan, who's got a record of thirty eight and three. Now that record again looks absolutely brilliant when you look at it on paper, but when you actually analyse the three losses, one came to Simpiwi Yeka. that was back in 2013, I don't think there's real, uh, you know, too much shame in that, to be honest, he got stopped in the very last round in a fight, he was losing, he got knocked out against, um, sorry, he lost on points to Chris John, um, a real good fighter he was, that one was back in 2011, and then before that he lost in 2010 to Celestino Caballero, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean to be honest, this guy's even took on Robert Guerrero back in the day. It ended up being a, a, a no decision. Um I think the fight got stopped early due to a cut or something. Um yeah, that one was back in two thousand and nine. So this guy's been around a long, long time. He started he started boxing professionally in two thousand and five. So thirteen years later here he is against Anthony Crawler. But um do you know what? I thought his record would be really padded, but it's not as bad as what I actually thought it was. Um, I see this as quite a close fight, actually. I mean, one that I'd favor Crawler in, because I think Crawler, you know, when when the pressure's on him, I think he really can perform. Um, Obviously, it's in his backyard in Manchester, so I know that the crowd gets behind him there. They love Crawler, and he seems to up his game when he's fighting there, but... I think this is a much tougher fight than I actually thought it was. So um, there could be a few moments there, a few a few scares during during that fight for Crawler. But I'd I'd back him to win. But the main event here, I'm going to come to you also here, Eddie. Alexander Usyk, fifteen and O, the winner of the World Boxing Super Series, the man that holds all four major titles in the cruiserweight division. He takes on a man called Tony Bellew, who we all know very well, including yourself, Eddie. I know that you and Tony have done some rounds in the past. Bellew's record 30-2 and with one draw, arguably coming off of his two, well certainly his two best wins really, the two back-to-back wins against David Hay but here he steps in against a man who is in his prime, a man who is undefeated and a man who is in the top three or four on pretty much everybody's pound-for-pound list. How does this one unfold, Eddie?
1: Honestly, um, I'm a big backer of Tony. I like him. He's a good guy. He's a friend. I consider him a friend we did some rounds in the past. I was um, surprised pleasantly and unpleasantly that he's actually a lot better than most people thought. Like, I've seen him before I heard of him. But then when I sparred him, I realized like, he's a lot better than I thought he would be. But, you know, with that being said, we got a guy with Music who is looks to be the future of what the division, what, what boxing is. You know, and, and, and the bigger divisions, be it heavyweight or cruiserweight. And he looks like he has... Uh, just a hell of a game overall. You know what I mean? He, you know, he's a softball. He's a, uh, but he's a s- slick boxing, in a sense, softball. Not slick in the way you would think with head movement and all of those types of things, but more distance, understanding distance, activity, and throwing punches at odd angles. Great than, feet as well. Yeah, and, and extremely good uh, good uh, speed and footwork and things of that nature. but. Tony is one of those guys who, you know, like we look at David Hay, and at one point David Hay was in that position. And obviously you get to David Hay stepping in the ring with Tony, and all of a sudden we're singing a different song about Hay. So as great as, you know, I'm saying that Usyk is, Tony is the kind of guy that can upset the whole thing. You know what I mean? He's, he has that temperament. He has the confidence. He has the punching and the power and the ability in general to do it. But it's going to take some real, real soul-searching. He's, he's, he's going to need to dig deep. And he's going to have to do some things that maybe... I don't know if he's able to. I think he could. But he's going to have to do things that maybe we haven't even seen him do up to this point to really pull this one out. It's going to be a tough one. It's an uphill battle, no doubt. But I think it's something he's capable of, you know, of, of, uh, of getting. You know what I mean? But obviously, if you're smart... You know you're gonna you're gonna follow and you're gonna back Uh Uh Usyk in it, but um, I have no choice in the matter. I gotta back (laughs) Seldon.
2: Yeah, you say if you're smart to back Usyk. Um, Funny enough, our listeners, sorry, go on.
1: No, in in a sense, I'm saying that, and it's because smart money would say, okay, go with the guy
2: who I know what you mean.
1: Go with the guy you can, you got your money on. You know, you would you would bet money on. And in his recent past, you know, we've seen that to be true. But, like I said, Tony's the kind of guy that got to get upset at all. But you got
2: it. Yeah. I mean, the listeners are actually going with Tony Bellew to win by knockout. I mean, that is a dream outcome. I I would love to see that happen. I truly would. Um, I, as is going with, with, with um, Tony Bellew to win on points. But myself, I mean, um, well... Eddie has said it himself. He said that, um, you know, this this is a fight where he kind of, um, I think initially advised Bellew to not take and he didn't really think Bellew was serious when he actually said, I want that fight. Um, You know, Yusuke is a man that, I mean, he's just so impressive. For a big guy, the way he moves, you picked up on that, Eddie. Um, You know, this guy is something special. This guy has got, you know, the world at his feet pretty much. I mean, if he does decide to move up to heavyweight properly, which I think he he is planning to do, um, should he get through Bellew, then I think even his his future there is absolutely fantastic. Um, But, you know, keeping it one fight at a time, if I have to pick... How this fight's going to end here because I think a lot of people, including Tony himself, even his trainer Dave Caldwell, um, Eddie Hearn, everyone's pretty much saying this is the last time we're going to see Bell U in a ring. And don't get me wrong, I would love to see Bellew win this fight more than anything. You know, I've become a massive Bellew fan over the last couple of years, but I must say, um, I think that because it's his last fight, and I think he knows that, even, you know, like I say, his trainer, his promoter, they all keep saying this more than he does. I think it's at the back of his mind that this is going to be his final fight. And I don't think there's any shame in going out on a loss, yeah. in fashion even. And and, and what I'm saying here, here, Eddie, is I would not be surprised if this is going to sound pretty bad, but I wouldn't be surprised if... His corner pulled him out if things were going bad for him because who really gives it? Who really gives a damn? Because he's not going to fight again anyway. He's been paid and that's it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I, I hear what you're saying, but I know Tony and I know how he thinks and how general how you know, fighters are. He's definitely going to go try to go down and fight, and it's, it's commendable, man, to take your last fight and say, "Hey, I'm going to fight the best guy I can." You know what I mean? The best guy that's around. You know what I mean, and, and try to end on a high note, picking up some more titles, probably positive. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to give him credit. Oh, I
2: give him, he, I give him tons, yeah.
1: No, no doubt. You, you 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 gotta you gotta look at him and say, "Damn man, you're doing the thing that a lot of guys would not have done." You know what yeah. I mean? Even looking at Floyd Mayweather, you know what I mean? Floyd Mayweather, I mean, he, he's he's the money man, so he got to do what he got to do to get that money, and that's just his thing. That's a stick, but. Looking at that Tony, what he's doing, he's he's stepping in the he's stepping in the ring with a dragon on the on the lap on the final fight. That's tough, you know what I mean. He's he's going out, he's going out with a bang for real.
2: Yeah, he truly is, and like I say, he's commendable, and you know he's got massive cojones. Like we didn't already know that, um, you know he's 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 honestly you know, if he wins this, this is absolutely mega, and he needs to fight again if he wins this, but, I mean, listen, I've learned before, you can never really back against Tony Bellew, Um, you know, for that reason, I give him a chance to some degree, but I just think if I absolutely had to had to give my prediction if a gun was held to my head, um, which it's not, obviously, but you know, we do the predictions here. I must say, I think that Usyk will stop him. And, like I say, I think if things are going hard for him, then his corner can pull him out, and no one's really gonna care because you know, if people say, Oh, well, he, he you know, he, he lost, he got he, you know, he quit on his store, or he, he got pulled out by his corner. He doesn't really... I mean, I don't think he really cares. I mean, he's 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 taking this fight because it's a humongous fight. He didn't need this fight at all financially. And I I think there's no real shame in, in him losing. And no matter how he loses, really. I think, like I say, if they pull him out, no one's going to care, really. He's not going to care, is what I'm saying. He's not going to care what the fans think. He's been paid. He's not going to fight again. It's not like he's got to you know get his faith restored by the fans. He's not going to really care because he won't be fighting again. So... You know, huge credit for him to take this fight. But what I want to ask you, Eddie, obviously you mentioned Usyk being a southpaw, being a southpaw that can move extremely well for a cruiserweight. What is Bellew's money punch? Like like we say, you've been in a gym sparring with this guy. You know, he's he's got a tremendous right hand, but something that we've seen time and time again is his unbelievable left hook. What would you say is his danger punch against a southpaw like Usyk?
1: Well, conventionally, the right hand is lined up perfectly for that particular, you know, for the right hand. So him being a good right-handed puncher anyway, obviously that's the one you want to sit on. But there's something I learned a while back when I was, you know, sparring with Southpaws, and I've sparred a lot, fought, you know, a part of the over the years. And it's very difficult at times to see the check left hook coming. So with that being said, if UC gets a little heavier on the front foot, and he's not necessarily known to be that way, but if he gets a little too heavy on the front foot and a little too aggressive at any point in the fight, that check left hook will be there. You know what I'm saying? So if he wants to come on the front foot, maybe be a little heavy with the jab, a little bit too, you know, too uh I don't know, front foot happy, like I said, the check left hook could beat it. It absolutely can. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that just look for one particular punch or a knockout just to, you know, get lucky. But I am saying as a part of a strategy. Put him put him in that direction. Push him toward that thing. You know what I mean? Maybe let him lead a little bit. Just so he can fall into something. I mean he's used to being the kind of the guy that counter punches and keeps you offset and uncomfortable. Well you have to find a way to make him that guy. You understand what I'm saying? And he's busy too, so he gives you opportunity, even with his amazing footwork and box ability, he still gives you opportunity. And being that Tony has a a great deal of experience and understanding, a good left hook, great right hand. You know what I mean. He's got to be able to figure out a way to get him to to put himself at, at risk a little more than he, he usually does, and get a, a, a little bit too confident, happy, a little too excited, and the opportunity will be there. You know, for him for, to land not only the right hand but definitely the check left hook. So you just got to make sure that you allow that to happen. Not be a little bit too conservative for you to too forceful in your
2: attacking. Excellent breakdown. Very tactical, Eddie. And that was fantastic science of boxing there. I love that. Um, yes. You know, one thing that Tony does need to do, which I'm sure he has done, I hope he sat down and watched, um, the, the, you know, the Usyk-Michael Hunter fight, because that was a fight where I think we really saw a lot of Usyk's game. And I'm not going to say he got exposed against Hunter, but I think Hunter showed the blueprint, yeah. if you like, how to get the better of use because Hunter was counter punching him, you know, comfortably for the first six or so rounds. So that's a fight yeah. he needs to check out. Um, but yeah, that's that's really enough on 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 that on that card there, Eddie. If you if you wanted to throw anything else in just before we wrap that card up, then you may do so. Well,
1: you know, like you said about the Michael Hunter thing, and Michael Hunter's another another one of the guys who was pretty good boxer. He was in at the, at the Cruiserweight division now, moved to heavyweight. And like you said, it's kind of a blueprint. When we say blueprint, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work perfectly. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work and he's going to win the fight. But what it does is it gives you an idea of what to do. Some kind of manual of how to fight someone who seems to be such a difficult person to deal with. And Michael Hunter being an athletic, young, uh, you know, quick-handed guy with a lot of heart kind of gives an idea of watching, if you watch the fight, of how to somewhat deal with a guy that is as crafty as he is and, and you know, has the ability he has on, on top of the activity. You know what I mean? You have to be willing, like I said, to do some things and be a little more active than maybe you normally are if that's your style to, to the counterpunch, but at the same time you got to still make him vulnerable. them. you got to still make him go out of his comfort zone in order to get the grab of victory too. So you got, you can't thing about these guys like music you and know like fighters uh, that are that are dominant is they have to be uncomfortable. You have to make them uncomfortable. My thing with uh, Vladimir when I fought Vladimir was that though he was uncomfortable at times, offensively, defensively I didn't make him uncomfortable enough. And as a balanced attack, you've got to be able to do both. If you can make the guy uncomfortable both defensively and offensively, then this is then this is fifty fifty situation for you.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. But let's move on though to um, to a place called the Miami Dade County Fair and Expo in Florida, USA. Um, a couple fights to mention over here, really. Uriel Kiss Gamboa tops the bill, twenty eight and two. Um, well, an up-and-down career he's had. It's a 12-rounder against Miguel Beltran Jr., 33 and 33-6. This is almost like a last-chance saloon, really, for Yuri Orkis Um Many people would say he's already kind of, uh, you know kind of lost it and you know no one's really that interested but I will say I think he's coming to his final stages he needs a win here um also on that bill we have Juan Manuel Lopez 35 and 6 he takes on Christian Mino who's 19 and 2 with about 17 knockouts um I think he's actually coming off of 2 losses though so uh yeah, a must win there for Juan Manuel Lopez, who, again, is another guy at the very much the tail end of his career, you'd say. And now moving out to the final bill, this one happening in Chicago, Illinois. Um, this one, a World Boxing Super Series card once again. Um, we have, well, two cruiserweights to mention here. Maris Bredis, 24-1. and He takes on Noel Gavor, who's 23-1. and Now, obviously, Bredis... You know, we know that he's boxed at the at the higher level. This guy Gavor, um, it's the first time we've seen him in the tournament. Obviously, Bradis was in the uh, was in the first one. This is the second one, but. You know, his loss came to Usyk in a very, very close fight. People forget a majority decision in favor of Usyk. He really gave Usyk a fight. And when I mentioned there about Hunter, um, you know, kind of showing what to do, I think Bradis did did a lot of that as well. So I should have probably mentioned him also. Um Two fights I'm sure that Bellew has watched. But, yeah, um, Noel Gavor, I mean, not a big puncher. You know, 10 knockouts from 23 um, victories. The one loss came by split decision to Christoph Wladzik, so um, no shame in that, really. So this this will be pretty good. Um, I, I wasn't the biggest... Uh, well, I, I don't know too much about Gevor, but actually looking at his record, he's been in there against Stephen Simmons, Scotland's very own, and that one was a split decision over 12, so that doesn't look too good. But yeah, he's got a win over Brudov um, and a couple of other guys. Um... Including Bella has a guy that I think Joe Fournier thought actually, funny enough. But yeah, um I'd expect Bradis to win that one um with relative ease. But also on the undercard, another another um World Boxing Super Series cruiserweight fight here. We have Christoph Glowacki thirty and one. Once again, his one loss came to Usyk. That was when Usyk dethroned him for the WBO World Cruiserweight title back in twenty sixteen. Um yeah, that one was was on points. He takes on Maxim Vlasov, who's 42-2. and two. Those two losses came to Gilberto Ramirez um, back in 2015, still the undefeated um, super middleweight world champion, and also to Isaac Chalemba back in 2011 in what was a pretty close fight, actually, um, including uh, you know this guy knocked Chalemba down twice, which a lot of people don't manage to do because Chalemba is really teak-tough. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a pretty good fight. There to be honest Vlasov very um, very durable, and Glowacki a real good boxer actually um very underrated. A lot of people kind of forget him. The way the way Usyk just dissected what he did and uh, you know boxed his ears off really. And that was when we really saw Usyk blowing up on that world stage for the very first time as a professional. I, I expect that one to go points, but that's a fantastic fight, um, Eddie. Just before we wrap it up, really, because that is the end of the previewing for me. Is there any words that you want to say on those cruiserweights? I know that you're kind of um, in and around that division at the moment. I'm not sure what your weight's at. Maybe you can tell us. But um, are these cruiserweights guys that you've got any knowledge on, the ones that I've just mentioned on this bill here in Illinois?
1: Yeah, pretty much seen most of them. Uh, and, they're you know, they're all nice. And it, it, These are all fight, great fight opportunities for me, but in just in general, great fighters to watch. You know what I mean? The cruiser division very much is like a throwback division to, to what the heavyweight division was years past. You know, so when you look at these guys, and they're a good iteration of what the heavyweight division. Being when you hear ever say heavyweight, division, I mean the heavyweight division, because that's what it is. The heavyweights you see currently that is that are they're labeled heavyweights are more like super heavyweights. <laughs> so, um, but in the way the way they look, you know, as far as like Usick and Mike Hunter and Milwaukee, and, you know, those got greatest. These are all heavyweights of the of years past. And it's the kind of situation where you get the big, but you also get the skill and athleticism too. Not saying the big guys aren't athletic. It's just they're so big. If they are athletic, it's almost unfair to someone who's a normal-sized human being, fighting them. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is the cruiserweight division should get a lot more eyes, should get a lot more attention because these fights – that are available in the Cruiserweight Division. And I think Steve Cunningham and Tomas Nadamic was, and I don't even say that's the beginning, but the, the recent history of the division, those fights were big, interesting, great great uh, action fights. You know what I mean? And then, you know, even with, you know, you go back as far as with the uh, O'Neill Bells and Jean-Marc and, and and even with David Hay being in the mix somewhere a little later, it, these fights are are awesome. These are the kind of fights that. Most fans would love to see, but there's not a, not, a, not a lot of knowledge on this division. And I think there's one little mistake, and that's calling it the cruiserweight division. What is the cruiserweight division? Most people don't even know what it is. But if you call it heavyweight, and you start putting those fights on primetime primetime television, they're going to start thinking the deep guys are heavyweights, because they are. And it's going to make it more interesting to the people, just by changing the name. Then you're going to get more eyes, then you're going to get more attention. Those guys are going to get the money they deserve.
2: That's it and Eddie, just just lastly on yourself before we let you go, um I saw that you know Tyson Fury's obviously out there now in California, um currently, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I saw that you posted something you know about like this you know watching these videos is making me want to come back. Where are you with this whole thing if you can tell us? what can you tell us, and also will you be um meeting up at some point with Tyson before the fight?
1: I would. I I talked to him a few times in preparation, even before you even signed for it. Um, I would love to, but it's just man, there's, there's I have crazy things going on here. I'm still trying to plan to go now. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle to figure out how, to, how I'm going to get time to do it on that day. On that day, but uh, I definitely would love to go support my man uh, Tyson in this uh big huge spike, and he's. The, and he's actually, well, I can't say he's super close to me now because the fight is going to be out in Vegas or, or Cali or whoever. It's going to be super far away. So but so I can't say he's any closer to me than he would be if he was in the UK. But it would be good to, to, to get out there to see him. You know what I mean? However, as far as my comeback, I mean, I, I've i been training. I've been working. And it's just we know all know the business of boxing is a little different. It's a little difficult sometimes. And it's, it's hard for me to, to – to, get any footing in that. I mean, I'm willing to take fights that I probably wouldn't even have looked at twice before just to get an opportunity to get in there and to get warm and and just get people to see me again, you know? And um, it's just, you know, like I said, I'm open to these, these opportunities. I'm open to fights. I'm open to uh, pretty much, I don't say anything. I don't want to sound desperate because I'm not desperate at all. You know what I mean? This football boxing career ended, you know, based on inactivity and the fact that I couldn't get out there and do you know, get any fights. I mean, it's okay. But at the same time, I would like to. You know what I mean? This part of my career, I'm a little more in control of, a lot more in control of, and I just want to have a good ending. So, what was a what a what was a pretty good career so far?
2: And Andy, who are you i mean who who are you kind of looking at? I know that you're pretty much sitting there you know ready to take on whatever people offer you and have a look at that, and you know you're not really yeah. someone who's going to start offering someone fights, you're kind of there waiting for someone to offer you a fight. Um who would you be looking at though? Would you be looking at the likes of a prospect coming up, someone like a Daniel Dubois, someone like that? Or would you be looking at a guy that's I don't know, you know, had a had a whole bunch of fights, someone like a I don't know, someone, you know, someone that's been around the block or someone on the on the come up?
1: Well, I mean either way. You know, honestly, I mean I know guys now are gonna look at me and say, Oh well, there's an opportunity to get a good record on your uh, resume or a good name on your resume that's great. That, that just gives me the opportunity to do the same thing. You know what I mean? So uh, with that being said, I mean, I'm pretty much open to either way. I mean, I'm, there's going to be a lot of prospect calls, if there's any calls at all, uh, you know, because they think they, there's they, you know, an opportunity, like I said, to get their guy a good win from a guy with, with some experience. And, you know, obviously I think it's a big mistake, but, you know, <laughs> but actually for them, it looks to be a smart move. So with that being said, uh I'm open to any of you, and, I mean, I would love to just get back out there. You know what I mean? I Obviously, we want to get a couple fights to get me kind of warm to the task so I can get the best account of myself when it's, to, uh, when it's time to get in there. But, you know, for a bigger fight. But, hey, I got to, you know, a beggar's can't be chooser. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I got to be ready when, when, when the time comes. And I'm prepared to do that. So, you know, let's go and get it. Have them, have them call.
2: And like I say, we've wrapped up the preview part of the show and just before we bring in guest number two and ultimately end the show, there is one last thing to do. And that is just to say goodbye once again to Eddie. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on, replacing IAS like you have done many, many times. Um, I'm sure that we'll do this again another time soon. Um, But yeah, like I say, thanks for for coming in and and, and filling the gap as you've done plenty of times before. It's always great to have you on for for the whole show like usual. Yeah, you're the man.
1: I appreciate you even having me on. It's a fun time. It never really uh, catches me out of place. I mean, you know, I had to do it from the car today, but that's just a relaxed little place
2: for me at this point. I spend a lot of time in the car anyway. So yeah, anytime you need me, Joe, all you got to do is tell me. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eddie. Right, just before we wrap up part two and ultimately end the show, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning USBA middleweight champion. It's, of course, Mr. Lewis Arias. Lewis, welcome back on the show, my friend.
0: Appreciate that. Appreciate that, man. Thanks for bringing me back.
2: Hey, it's always great to have you back. So, Lewis. Uh, we haven't spoken for around a, about a year. Uh, we last spoke just before that Daniel Jacobs fight. Now, I know that that's kind of last year's news now, but a lot of people felt that you underperformed that night. I think you'd probably agree that you didn't really fight to the best of your abilities. You were served up your first and only career loss. What seemed to go wrong for you that night, Lewis?
0: Um, well, yeah, you know, it was it was obviously the worst performance of my life, um, given the stage. It just... You know, the, the hype up, the build up, I just, I really just dropped the ball. But it was just a matter of just me not quite being ready for that type of a stage yet. You know, um, I was actually hurt, you know, after about the third or the fourth round. Um, I made a rookie mistake, got some new shoes, you know, <clears throat> and I ended up catching a, a pretty severe blister on my right foot. You know, when you're boxing, you know, everything comes off that back right foot, you know, so I wasn't able to really stand, you know, firmly. For after since four or five rounds and, and jacobs was just too big too athletic and you know it, it showed that night you know it was, it was it was no excuses though he was just you know he was a better bigger man and i just i just wasn't quite ready you know but uh you know i still was able to go, manage to go to distance you know he he didn't even beat me up at all i didn't have any you know marks on my face i came out that fight healthy I'm healthier now i'm 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 stronger i'm 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 more mature you know and i'm ready you know and now I feel like i'm 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 at that stage in my life where where it's ready to compete at the world level and since
2: that fight. Um, obviously Daniel Jacobs has fought twice since then against Masil Selecki and then most recently against Sergei Derevyanchenko now in my opinion he didn't look fantastic in either of those fights but both men were undefeated um, and obviously both men certainly had their moments in those fights what have you made of his
0: two performances since the fight against you? Um, well he got a world title you know so he's a world champion you know I He's, you know, he, he did what he had to do to win, you know. So he hasn't looked spectacular, but you know he he's done enough to win. And and at the end of the day, the W is what matters, you know. I feel like Daniel Jacobs is very beatable, and I know the, the world sees it, but as of right now, he he's been finding ways to to get through and get the W. So um, until someone exposes him, you know, he he he's still racking up victories, you know. But I I think I think he's gonna get beat sooner than later. And is
2: Jacobs a man that you can move on from and kind of just forget about it and move on to the next thing, or do you really feel like you need to avenge that loss in order to get to the top
0: level of this sport? Well, yeah, I feel like I need to do need to avenge that loss because like I said, it I wasn't a hundred percent. You know, I I feel like if I was a hundred percent I know for a fact the fight would have been a lot different, you know, but I wasn't. You know, and even then, given I wasn't a hundred percent, I went twelve rounds. I didn't have a scratch on me. I never, re- I never got hurt in the fight, you know. That knockdown was bullshit, you know. And um, I still, I still managed to go twelve rounds with somebody who was way bigger than me, way more experienced than me. So um, eventually, if I can get my crack, crack at him again, you know, I, I would, I would love to. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But it, it was just a learning experience.
2: And my last real question on Jacobs now, because it's kind of you know it's kind of something that may may happen again, may not, but certainly nothing um, really to talk about for the near future for you. But if the rematch should happen, what would happen in the rematch? Now that you've gone away, you've matured a lot, you've learned from that loss, the experience, of course, that you've gained from that. What would happen in the rematch, in your
0: opinion? I think I could get him in the rematch for sure. You know, uh, I definitely give him a, a, a tougher fight. I know what kind of fight I would need to fight in order to beat him. So I would train myself for that, and I would be ready, you know, for the stage. Like I said, I wasn't quite ready for that stage. But now that I've experienced going through that, being a main event, being on the big stage, you know, dealing with everything, and, and, and learning how all the small details count, you know, I would fix all of that, and I know I would give him a, a, much, a much tougher challenge. And then, especially with that you know, 10-pound wing the next day, he won't be the same either. You know, his, his last fight, he didn't look that good. He had to do that 10 pounds in the morning, you know. So, I think I think that'll play a factor into it as well.
2: Okay, and you yourself, you're fighting on the 17th of this month in Kansas. You'll be taking on Philadelphia's very own Gabriel Rosado. What are your thoughts on Rosado as a fighter, Lewis?
0: Um, I think Gabriel Rosado, uh, he's a warrior. You know, there's no denying that. You know, he's dealing with a lot of guys, you know a lot of shots from a lot of these guys, and he was able to withstand it and fight them. And, and he fights with a lot of heart. You know, he has a lot of experience as well. And I feel like this fight was a perfect fight, even before the Jacobs fight. You know, so it's a great, it's a great bounce back fight for me. The styles match up perfectly. It doesn't really matter what you guys think of my last performance. Every other fight before that, I've come to fight, and I've gone to war. So I think this is a great style match up for me, and and I look forward to performing
2: and Rosado's a guy that stands right in front of his opponents. He tries to force it. fight. It's probably one of his downfalls, to be honest, because his style isn't really the smartest, most intelligent boxing style, yeah. but usually it makes for a great watch. Um, are you expecting yeah. a war here? Are you looking to outbox this guy yeah. on the back foot? I think there's more than one way you can win this fight, Lewis, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, there is, there is, but um, <laughs> I kind of I need to prove a statement. You know, so I'm in tip-top shade, and I'm preparing for a toe-to-toe battle. We gotta just see how long he lasts. You know, he, he takes a lot of shots, man. He, he takes a lot of shots. And and my my different weapons, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hitting them from upstairs, downstairs, all type of angles. So I really want to knock him out. You know, so I don't want to go 12, but we have to go 12. It is what it is. But I I want to I want to knock him out. I need to make a statement. So, the knockout is the only way to really truly making
2: that statement. Okay, I like hearing that from you there. Um, When you do step in the ring, it would have been a year and six days since your last fight that we spoke about earlier on. Has that been your choice, Lewis? Have you been in the gym correcting things and improving, or did you want to fight
0: sooner? Yeah, no, I mean, if I could have fought sooner, I would have, you know, but I was just dealing with the little stuff with with the business, you know, the business side of the boxing. You know, but I've been in the gym. You know, I've actually uh, – I've been working at, at Delray Beach Boxing, a very good gym here in Delray Beach, Florida. And uh, I actually just started teaching boxing for a little bit. You know, I was I was learning boxing from a different angle, you know, seeing teaching people how to box and just getting the techniques right, you know. And I've just been just around the gym this whole time, you know. I could have been far, you know, and I could have went and took some easy flights. You know, I went to Mexico – I took some little fights here and there just to build my record up, but for what? You know, I was just waiting. I was waiting for that meaningful fight, and it came.
2: And promotionally, as you talk there just just a little bit about the business, or, you know, the business side of boxing. This will be the second time in a row that you fought on Eddie Hearn shows. Is there a deal in place at all that you can tell us about, or perhaps not?
0: <laughs> well. It, it, when the deal gets done, it'll get announced. But but Eddie likes me, you know, and, and I like what Eddie's doing. So he's obviously giving me these opportunities. He sees that I'm a salesman and he, sees, he knows that I come to fight, you know. So um, uh, hopefully we do get something done. But uh, as of right now, nothing's set in stone. But Eddie likes, Eddie likes me fighting on matchroom shows, and I like fighting on matchroom shows. So if we can keep that going for the for the future, I'm I'm definitely up for it. Because I want to come fight in England. So that's the best way, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Fingers are crossed for you. Um, and, and coming down to the last couple of questions really now, Lewis, um, what are you making of the other top fighters in the middleweight division? It's a very good division at the moment. Obviously, Demetrius Andrade, he's looking, you know, Demetrius Andrade looking as good as ever. Billy Joe Saunders seems to have found himself in a very tough position. Golovkin, we're not quite sure if he's going to fight again. Canelo's decided that he's going to move up to super middleweight. Jamal Charlo's a man that it seems like no one really fancies fighting. What is your take on the division right now and all those
0: guys I've mentioned there? Great. You know, I think the middleweight division, the welterweight division, and the heavyweights are the top dog divisions right now in boxing. And if I can get a crack at the top dogs, like I did my last fight, a thousand percent I'd like to take it. You know, I think, like I said, the hottest division, big money, big money fights in this division. And any of those guys you mentioned would be a great fight for me. And if it comes to the table, I'm jumping
2: right on it. And two weeks after your fight, we see a fantastic fight in the heavyweight division, as you just mentioned there, a great division. Um, Yeah, two men undefeated collide. The the lineal champion that never lost his titles in the ring, Tyson Fury, travels out to the States and takes on your countryman, Deontay Wilder, the knockout bomber with the WBC strap. How do you see that one unfolding? I think you're the first person I've probably asked this
0: question to recently. I think it's gonna be a great fight. You know, it's gonna. I feel like it's gonna come down to what kind of Tyson Fury we're gonna see. You know, he has looked subpar, maybe average at best his last two fights, but prior to that, he he was looking good. You know, he, he beat Klitschko. You know, he was beating everyone else. So it comes down to which which Tyson Fury is gonna come. We already know what kind of Deontay Wilder is gonna come. He's been showing that us for the last couple of years, knockouts after knockouts after knockouts. You know, so I'm not worried too much about what, what what Wilder's gonna bring to the table. It's more how Tyson's gonna look. You know, is he gonna be able to get away from those old demons he had, and is he gonna be able to come back to his natural self? You know, is it too sooner for him to jump in there? But it's all gonna come down to what Tyson Fury we see, and and if 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 it's the wrong Tyson Fury and he gets caught early, I don't see that fight going past six rounds. But if it's a good Tyson Fury and he he's able to move in there like he did before. I can see him, you
2: know, winning the defeat. Yeah, me too. A fantastic fight. I think if it goes to points, it's got to be Fury. I think if it goes um, within the distance, then probably Wilder. Um, And finally, Lewis, really, is there any closing words that you have at all for the listeners or anyone that may be listening
0: just before we let you go? To all the listeners, to all the fans, the UK fans, American fans, everybody, Europe, everybody. I know I dropped the ball in my last fight, you know. I made you guys tune in, and you tuned in to a shit show. But I guarantee you this fight will be a lot different. I'm smarter, I'm stronger, I'm more mature. All my things are in order. I'm coming to for war. You know, Rosado's always brought a war. We know that. And this time, I'm, I'm going to make up for my last fight. So make sure you guys tune in November 17th, you know, right on The Zone. Download it. Watch it. It's going to be a great fight. And I'm looking forward to, to putting on a show and still in the show. Everyone's already talking about Arias Rosado. So it's a reason for it. And next weekend, I'll show you guys why.
2: I absolutely cannot wait, if I may say so. Now, Lewis, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, my brother. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for the 17th. And I'm sure that we'll catch up again after this win.
0: Thank you. Thank you, my man. Thank you. Appreciate that.
2: Okay, and this wraps up episode 160 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. The former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Eddie Chambers, has been with me for the duration of this week's show. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show. Also, um, Regis Progray, the undefeated world contender. And, of course, Luis Arias, a man on a mission to right his wrong and become a world-recognized name. As for the news that we skipped at the very start of part two... um, um, there's not too much that's happened, really. I mean, Kell Brook's next fight has been announced. It's going to be on December the 8th, which we knew. It's happening in Sheffield. He takes on Michael Zarafa, a man with a record of 25-2. and Those two losses came to Arif Magomedov on points. Magomedov actually lost to Luis Arias, who we had on the show just a few moments ago. And also, Zarafa's other loss came by knockout to Peter Quillin. Also, in other news, Eddie Hearns' Matchroom Sports have announced a partnership with the Italian promotional stable OPI since 82 which now means that Matchroom will be putting on shows in Italy the first one's going to take place on the 30th of this month in Florence Um, on that bill we shall see Martin J. Ward take on Devis Boschiero, Andrea Scarpa, a man that we saw take on O'Hara Davies a few years ago Um, he takes on our very own Joe Hughes and Fabio Turchi who actually holds a strap, I think it's a got like an international belt he'll be taking on our very own tony conquest not many people expected that one from Metro sports and the prediction league once again pretty happily i must remind you all that i am in the lead on 69 points in the listeners and i as are both tied on 68 just one point in the lead i am and another two points are up for grabs this weekend although we all agreed on one thing so um you know that's gonna kind of stay the same. So there's really one point in it. Um, we've all we've all gone for different things on the Tony Bellew vs Usyk fight. And lastly, I'd just like to send a special shout-out to regular listener Sedem Amma, who has just had a fight herself at London's iconic York Hall. She not only had the courage to step into the ring in the first place, but she also left the ring with a victory. So a very special shout-out to her. But of course, all the rest of you, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in once again. I must say we deeply appreciate each and every one of you for listening. That's it from myself and Eddie. Enjoy your weekends, people, and we shall see you next week.